the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He's been recognized as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings nearly 40 years of experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. If this is the first time you heard the show, hey, welcome aboard. Uh, if you've heard the show before, you know a little bit about the format. The first part of the show, we talk about uh, estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount of taxes we need to pay legally. We do not like paying taxes around here. Avoiding going through court, avoiding probate. And as far as elder law is concerned, mostly trying to save your house with nursing home bills. Um, with with us today, we've got our perennial guest attorney, Nicole Donnelly. Hello, hello. My wife, Beth. I'm perennial, too. And, and my son, Michael. <laughs> hello, everyone. Good to hear from you. And though he's not going to say much, Otto's also in the room. Ray Otto. <laughs> All right. Now, Nicole, you were talking about something before we came up, which is a, a question that happens a lot. A lot of times we, we read email questions, but this is a question that overlaps a lot. So what is it? Who needs a guardianship, and when is a good time to get one, if ever? Well, hopefully you'll never need a guardianship, but that's, you know, another story. You need a guardianship when you have a person who's got assets to manage, and they're incompetent, and they didn't sign a power of attorney or other documents that maybe substitutes a power of attorney. Um, that's when you need a guardianship. Hopefully, if you plan in advance, you're never going to need a guardianship. If you have a power of attorney, and it's a good power of attorney, you're probably never going to need a guardianship. Now, things can happen, which you were talking about. When is the most likely time a guardian to be appointed? When the family is fighting, and there's some type of care that the person is receiving, and for whatever reason, nobody's able to pay for it. So anytime they're incurring a debt, either in a nursing home we find, or a hospital, or co-op debts, 
there's going to be some type of guardianship proceeding brought, I find. Yeah. And that's it. You know, like if, if you have a attorney and somebody's paying the bills, the nursing home's not going to bring the guardianship. The nursing home's going to bring guardianship when they're afraid they're not going to get paid. That's usually it. Now, it could be the social workers observing fighting between among the family members or whatever and might bring a guardianship. For the most part, a guardianship is only bought when a nursing home's not being paid. Um, now, the other thing is where a family is fighting so much they can't get along and or somebody's abusing a path attorney. You know, if somebody gives you a path attorney, that doesn't mean you can just take the money out of their account and spend it however you want. You have what we call a fiduciary duty to that person to set, spend the money in, in the right way. And yeah, the powers of attorney we do, you know, very broad and gives the power of attorney a, a lot of leeway to do a lot of different things because you never know what's going to happen. You need to try to encounter every event, you know, like for instance, if you have a pet and you want to take care of that pet, you want to give the power of attorney the authority to, you know, pay the bills, place the, the pet up for adoption or whatever. Um, I mean, it's an example, but it, it's one of the examples. And everybody, everybody who has anybody they can trust should do a power of attorney. Because if you don't have a power of attorney and it does go to court in a guardianship, um, it gets expensive. One, usually in a lot of cases, there are two, three lawyers involved. And basically, and I'm simplifying it, but all the lawyers are paid from the person's estate who they're you know, bring it into court to declare a guardianship on. So think about it, you got three lawyers feeding at the trough, so to speak, and that's what you want to avoid. Um, you, you want to plan things in advance. If we have a trust, that's a good step, because in that case, you know, we won't, even if, if assets go into a guardianship, at least the assets in the trust should be protected. And as long as we have a power of attorney and the person who manages to have attorney is honest and paying your bills, not running away with your money, there's no reason to be a guardianship. And, and you know, and in a lot of cases, the guardianship, there's so much money, you know, that, that's wasted through the bureaucracy of the court system. And one of the worst parts is the time. Somebody dies, let's say you have a will. Somebody dies with the will, their estate is going through a guardianship. It could take literally three years before that guardianship winds its way through the courts and finalizes, even if it's only 30, 40 grand. And you, you don't want to go through a guardianship. And some people say, well, the bank told me I should go to a guardianship. First, look to see if you have a power of attorney. In a lot of cases, maybe the power of attorney is not even the best power of attorney, but maybe it's good enough where we can avoid the guardianship if possible. Our goal is try to avoid going through court if we don't have to. And if we have any kind of power of attorney, we want to try to avoid going through court. You know, you hear so much about the guardianships being abused. Um, you know, newspapers open up and court-appointed guardian. Now, what's a court-appointed guardian? Well, that's what we're talking about. A guardianship is ordinarily court-appointed. The judge decides. But is and that the one that you see that the, the attorneys abuse it? There are attorneys. I think it's more out-of-state than New York, but the the problem is the bureaucracy is such, by the time you're paying all the lawyers to get through the bureaucracy, you're paying way too much. And of course, if the guardian, and in a lot of cases, a guardian, you know, if you have an independent guardian, the children fighting, the easiest thing for an independent guardian is to dump you in a nursing home and pay one check a month. 
It's not to keep you at home and to pay the home attendant and to pay your real estate taxes and your insurance and things like that. It's a lot easier for that court appointed, uh, you know, attorney or guardian to dump you in a nursing home, pay one bill a month, not worry about you. And yeah, it's a lot easier for the court appointed guardian, but is that what you want? And, and most people, even if they're not 100%, and they're not sure exactly where they are, most people would be much happier at home than they would be in a nursing home. And uh, there are exceptions to every rule, but. Does the elderly person have to go to court? Ordinarily, yes, unless they're so far out of it that there's no way they can participate in the hearing. And that can be very embarrassing because I've seen, you know, like elderly people, 90-year-old lady, I remember. You know, she's dragged into court. She doesn't fully understand what's going on. She thinks she may be going to jail. And I'll tell you something right now. Guardianship, to some extent, is worse than a jail sentence because it's really a lifetime sentence without parole because you ain't getting out of it for the most part. You know, yeah, you might recover here and there, but... But by the time you make the motions in court to get yourself out of the guardianship, you're probably going to be gone. Um, it, it, it is horrible. It is a lifetime sentence without parole. And let's say you make a comeback and you want to appeal. Um, you don't have access to your own money. So you got to try to find a lawyer who's going to represent you without getting paid, maybe not getting paid at all. Well, isn't, and, this, isn't this what happened with Britney Spears to an extent? Yeah. Yeah, I really don't even understand that because in New York, I don't think somebody like Britney Spears would have a guardian appointed for her. But, you know, because usually the guardianship here is for, for the elderly. There are guardianships for people who are mentally disabled or whatever, and that's a different kind of route. But I don't see how if she's doing tours and she's performing her own acts. I don't see how you get a guardianship appointed well, under New What York rights are taken away from you? Well, it depends. Mostly all your rights. Right. If you don't control your money, you don't control where you live. That's it. What else is there? You know, and in some cases, they even control who visits you and who doesn't visit you. You know, the, the, they, they say some person, maybe you got a son who's a little bit of a troublemaker. Maybe he's not, but somebody says he's a troublemaker, and they limit the access for your son to visit you. I mean, that's extreme, I know, but it, it happens. And you really don't want to be in a, in a guardianship proceeding. And that's one of the things, try to think about doing a power of attorney. You got a relative out there you can trust, hopefully a relative. We always, you know, choose family over strangers. But, you know, hopefully as a family member you can trust and they can manage things for you so we don't need the guardianship. And that's one of the most important things in estate planning is to do a power of attorney. Because a will's important, but a will takes effect only after you're gone. A power of attorney, you know, takes care of your assets when you're when you're alive and keeps you out of court and hopefully takes care of you where you stay at home with home care. There are a lot of good home care benefits in New York and hopefully with a power of attorney, we can access those home care benefits and then you can stay at home for a long time. So one of the things that I say this all the time to people, in a lot of cases, I mean, a will is important, a healthcare proxy is important, but I would say to a lot of people, the power of attorney is the most important document that they sign when we're doing estate planning. Is there ever such a thing as the family members getting appointed guardian? I know that's always a thought process when they first start out. Does that ever actually happen? That does happen. Family members in a lot of cases are appointed the guardian when there's no dispute in the family. But you know, sometimes just a little dispute between family members can throw an independent guardian to be there. And even when, you know, like, let, let's say you got a mom and she's got one son and that's her entire family. He gets appointed guardian. 
It's not like he has full control. He has to go to court to get permission to pay the bills, and he has to account for every dollar for the court. And, and sometimes, you know, keeping records, if you're not used to it, keeping detailed records and have to report to the court is a hassle. And not only that, the court may sit on, you may file your guardianship report, you know, how you spent the money today, and a year from now, they may not even get back to you yet. And, you know, it's, it's extremely aggravating. It's, it's something you want to try to avoid. You don't want to go into a guardianship unless it's absolutely necessary. Are there different types of guardianship, or are they all the same thing? Well, there, is, there are guardianships for, you know, children who are born with disabilities, which is different than the Article 81 guardianships we're talking about now for the most part. You know, in other words, if there's a child who, you know, is not from birth, is not able to handle his or her own affairs, there's a simplified guardianship. It's still a little bit of a hassle that you can get appointed. And this is especially for, let's say, somebody who's, you know, mentally handicapped. They're over 18 now. They may need a guardian to access some of their benefits to do things like that. If they inherit property from somebody else, hopefully not if there's a good plan in place. But yeah, there are other different kinds of guardianships. I'm talking about what we call an Article 81 guardian in New York, where somebody applies to court to get a, a guardian appointed for a person. And I, I've seen people who, by mistake, you know, they think it's the best thing because they're listening to the wrong person. And maybe they have a PAV attorney, and maybe they could not have a PAV attorney. Maybe they have a joint account with enough money to pay for all the, uh, you know, the bills or access to joint accounts. And they don't need a guardianship, but, you know, please don't go go a guardianship, you know, you know, because sometimes doctors say, oh, you need a guardianship, not knowing whether it's a power of attorney and doctors are not lawyers, social workers are not lawyers. And sometimes you can avoid a guardianship just by doing, being a little creative. So, you know, if, if you can help, but you don't want to go through a guardianship proceeding right now, it takes forever to get through the court system. Well, speaking of people who are, um, you know, maybe mentally incompetent, um, where were we this past weekend? Yesterday, you you were being honored by the Guild for Exceptional Children, which is a local, wonderful organization. Yeah, we do pay, play their spots every once in a while on the show. They do a good job. They do, you know, they do God's work or whatever. And we're going to have another one of the uh, directors of the of the Guild for Exception and Children on the, on the show this week. So um, it, it was a nice event. It was a very nice event. They do know how to party. <laughs> <laughs> I have never seen people have so much fun. I was sitting there th- saying, our table is such a dud. And all of these all of these people from the Guild were out dancing. Oh, Mike, we're going to have to learn how to dance or something. Well, Great next, people. Next shot at our Christmas party. <laughs> December, whatever. Oh, very good. It was a wonderful event you had a lot of people who were really committed to just doing the best for those who were least served in our society so that was and you know dad was one of the honorees so yeah bravo to the guild well you know part of it was the the guild started here in bay ridge Mm -hmm. senator william conklin who was the state senator here was was one of the driving forces behind it and it it was in part so parents had a place to to take care of their children who had some disabilities and not go to Willowbrook. And I think 
you know, probably Nicole, did you ever hear of Willowbrook? I did. I watched the documentary on it. There you go. There you go. A lot of people don't, you know, remember Willowbrook, but it was a horror show. It it was visions from hell. And, you know, uh, uh, it it used to be, I, I think, you know, forget about your kid. He's mentally disabled. He has no future. He has no value. Just warehouse him until he dies. And, and that was what almost was, was a philosophy back then. And the, the mothers that started, I think it was mostly mothers, obviously, that started the Guild for Exceptional Children as a place where these children could grow up in family atmosphere, support to some families, take care of, you know, take care of the, the children as they get older. And I mean, I understand right now they're, they're 90-year-old children in the Guild for Exceptional Children. You know, they've been taken care of through their entire lives, and it's a place for them to, uh, you know, to grow up and become old and be taken care of. And we're going to talk more about that later in the show. But we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes. You'll listen to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or connorsandsullivan.com. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it harder to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress, a home equity conversion mortgage may be the answer for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. Give me a call so our team here at Contour Mortgage can show you how the loan program works and how much you and your family may qualify for. My job is to help you find the best solution for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this mortgage program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-954-7463. Once again, that's 888-954-7463, and you could be on your way to a better retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591, Contour Mortgage Corporation, NMLS number 34384, 990 Stewart Avenue, Suite 660, Garden City, New York, 11530, Licensed Mortgage Banker, New York State Department of Financial Services. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. 
You know, uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about a charity organization called Guild for Exceptional Children. And right now, we're very pleased to have the CEO of the Guild, Joseph Riley. Welcome to Connor's Corner. And thank you much. Thank you very much for having me, Mike. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Now, we have been talking about the Guild over the last couple of weeks. You had a great dinner a little while ago. Um, and, you know, we, we, actually, one of the things we were talking about last week is how much fun your children had at that dinner, dancing and so forth. You know, it wasn't like the staid, usual fundraising dinner that we usually attend. But tell tell us about the program and who are your clients and who do you help? Well, sure. Um, the Guild for Exceptional Children um, provides services to children and adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, we have a school where uh, young children, uh, three to five, ages three to five, who have developmental delays, developmental disabilities, go, and um, and they we have specialists there, therapists, special teachers, uh, special education teachers who help them along and help them to um, to to accommodate to their disability um, we also run a group homes uh, we call them residences where adults with developmental disabilities live and they're kind of scattered throughout Brooklyn um, and uh, part of the part of the Brooklyn community and we have day habilitation programs for adults that still live at home primarily with their families but need to learn things during the day and and you know and uh, develop some skills so we've been doing this for quite a while now 64 years where we'll be celebrating our 65th anniversary next year um so um we're very proud of the work we do and you're right you mentioned the 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 celebration that we had the other day um the individuals that we serve they really know how to party. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> and they set a fine example for everyone. If you ever really want to know how to have a good time, attend one of our functions and watch our people because they really know how to let loose. Yeah, <laughs> there's no question about it. And like I said, we talked about it on last week's show. Now, 64 years ago, I, I you know, I was, I was relatively young, but I remember the guild coming into existence. Conklin was uh, one of the driving menace from the political Point, but what? Why was it founded? What was what was the problem? So back in 1958, um, you know, this was before all the scandals broke with Willowbrook and the state-operated facilities. Um, there were parents who living in Brooklyn who had uh, disabled children, developmentally disabled children, who aged out of the education system because at the age of 21, 22, then the state education system can no longer serve them. So the parents then are offered a choice. You can you can. Back in the 1950s, they were offered a choice. You can either keep your adult child at home with you and continue to take care of them for the rest of your life, or you can put them in a state-operated facility. Those are really your only two options. Um, the parents at the Guild for Exceptional Children um, didn't didn't accept those two. They wanted a third option. They wanted to develop a, an organization that would that would be a stakeholder in this. So um, they developed the guild and they started with day programs because at that time that was the only thing they could open so they they purchased some storefronts on third avenue in brooklyn and they opened up some day program sites for since the their children could no longer go to school they would go to day programs during the day and many of the par parents volunteered to work with the children at the day programs at that time so it was incorporated back then and then in 1970 uh, we opened up the very first group home in in New York, uh, the Conklin residence um, on 67th Street. 
and um, Senator Conklin and at the time Assemblyman Luigi Morano co-signed a bill that made it possible for organizations to open up facilities and group homes and day programs. And couldn't have come at a better time because it was right around that time, a little bit later, a year later, that the Willowbrook scandal broke. And this became now the more acceptable way of doing things. The preferred way of doing things was to, um, if you had a disabled child, was to seek out an organization that you could trust um, that was in a community where people were around and had eyes and ears on on it you know they were part of the community they would live and work in the community and um that became the preferred model so other organizations were doing the same thing at the same time now those of you i mean willowbrook you're talking it's about 50 years ago so i'm sure a lot of people have no idea when you're talking about when you talk about willowbrook i mean but the scenes that you saw on on tv were horrific can you describe the, the conditions this was the alternative back then yeah this was the only alternative that uh parents had back then and um it was it was horrific uh you know the the wards at willowbrook and other state operated institutions were overcrowded so they'd have say 200 people in a ward but it would be understaffed they might only have one or two staff members in charge of that ward uh, so because of the nature of the disabilities of some of the people and and their institutionalized behaviors that developed as a result of being in an institution um, to keep people in line they would kind of um, tie people to the beds handcuff them to a radiator um, people were allowed to, you know, sleep in a bed in their own waste. Um, meal times were horrific because uh, there were accounts of they had to turn over a lot of uh, people in a short amount of time, feed a lot of people in a short amount of time. So often the food was kind of shoved into their mouths uh, by staff and then led to a lot of choking incidents and aspiration pneumonia incidents. There were a lot of there was a high mortality rate in Willowbrook um, from those conditions. And largely this was hidden from the public because and from the families because they had uh, announced visitation days. So families would say visit on Sundays and that would be the day everybody get cleaned up and, you know, it would look a lot better when the families came to visit. But um, back at the time, there was an investigation. Families hooked up with one of the doctors who worked at Willowbrook and they got a key and they were able to let a news crew in and they filmed the actual conditions that existed not on family day. And uh, that's when the scandal broke and the families of people who lived at Willowbrook sued the state of New York and won. It was a class action lawsuit, the Willowbrook class suit, and they won. And that also helped organizations like the Guild for Exceptional Children come into existence because we provided another alternative. And, you know, the state promised to close Willowbrook and the other state operated institutions down. Uh, so that's part of the aftermath of that lawsuit. So what happens to basically your clients, your patients, however you want to call them, what happens now? How, how do they live their lives? So it, the parents still have the choice whether they want to continue to care for their adult child at home. Um, but often if they decide to do that, they still want to have 
them do something constructive during the day. So um, we have day habilitation programs for that. And we have with walls and without walls day habilitation. With walls is uh, a little more restrictive in that uh, the, the most of the activities are confined to the program where they'll be doing some educational activities, some, you know, working with money, working with, um, developing their skills, that type of a thing, and recreational things as well, having fun, uh, trips and outings, you know. Um, and then um, when parents become really uh, unable to care for their adult children anymore, and this was a big problem. Parents, you know, age and then they're no longer able to take care of their adult children, require a lot of care. So um, they try to get their son or daughter into a into a residential facility, which the Guild has uh, 13 of them. And um, and that's 24-hour care. We staff it round the clock, 365 days a year. It, we have very compassionate staff. Uh, each house is independently managed by a management team, which will all report to me. And, um, and we have a very good reputation, even with the state auditors with the quality of care that we run. Our houses are meticulously kept. They fit in with the fabric of the community so that they don't, they don't stand out as anything institutional or anything like that. And many of our people volunteer in the, you know, and I'm talking about the people who live with us and work with us, the the disabled people we serve. They volunteer in the community. They they work with some of the local businesses and, you know, um, and they, they get a lot out of that because they develop self-esteem through their through through their job you know what they consider their job and and hopefully the business gets something out of it because they're really helping out a developmentally disabled person and I, I think it makes it it's good for the business as well as good for the person so um, so we have partnerships with a lot of local vendors a lot of local merchants um, I know people serve there too and we we have um, very happy clientele, as as you saw when you right. came to the party. They are they're happy uh, with the conditions that that we present and the, the lives we we help them to attain, um, and they they feel free to express themselves. You know, and there's there's nothing restrictive about what the guild does. The only restrictions we have in place are those that are necessary to keep people safe. You know how old how old is your range? I mean, what's your oldest client? What's your youngest client? Uh, it's a, a good question. Well, in our, our school, as you know, we serve children three to five, so the youngest would be three. But um, in the adult programs, we have we have people in their twenties who attend the day program, uh, to one of our day programs, and um, we have um, our oldest now that we serve in a residence is ninety seven, I believe, so uh, ninety six, I think. I think she's approaching her 97th birthday, so it's getting close. Mildred Goldberg okay. is her name. And she's been, um, she may be, I don't I don't want to go on record, but I'll, she, I'm saying she may be the oldest person receiving services in, a, in the state of New York. Um, when I started at the Guild um, as a direct support professional back in 1986, uh, I was told, I was kind of warned by management, you know, um, at that time, the expected lifespan was was uh, people didn't survive much past 50, you know, who had a developmental disability. Um, so we had already we were serving people in their 40s and 30s and 40s, and you know, like, you know, there was that fear that oh no, when they hit 50. But we've learned, and and science has progressed, and medical science has progressed. We've learned how to take better care of people. So now it's not uncommon. We have quite a few people in their 70s, 80s, and 
a few in their 90s now. So the age range is pretty broad. <laughs> Right. Sorry, it's a long answer for a short question. No, but that's and and when 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 does the transition usually occur from the from let's say home with the family to one of your residences? Well, it's largely depends on the family. So um, if the for and it also is dependent on the state to a certain degree. So the family first has to make the decision. You know, you know, I think um, we're getting to the point where we need a. a, a a partner, you know, to to provide residential services for for our son or daughter, um, and um, and that partner doesn't mean that the family is out of the picture now. Um, many of many of our people feel like they have two homes, so the, they'll go home on a weekend with be with their parents, but they'll go to our residence during the week. And you know, if the parents are capable of doing that, they'll go away sometimes on vacation with their families, or they'll go away on vacation with us, or both. You know, um, so the partner, the parents remain partners in this, but they have to make the decision that it's time. And then the other half of it is the state has become a little more. Uh, selective i want to say and restrictive about residential placements and uh and for good reason it's a residential placement is costly so when you're paying for somebody to move into a residential facility it costs the state x number of dollars you know so when we have a vacancy when we have a, a bed that's open it sometimes takes like a year to fill it because not because we have a lack of people interested but because the state has put a lot of blockades in the way. They, you know, they, you know, for their own reasons, they they have a lot of people who are receiving services out of state that were sent to state schools, say in Pennsylvania or other states, that they would like to bring back into the system first. That's a problem because um, some of those people have developed institutional behaviors out of state, and you're moving them into an existing home where say seven or eight other people live. So it's, it kind of makes a dangerous mix. If we're very careful about when we bring somebody in and fill a vacancy that, that they're gonna be able to get along with their housemates, you know, and, and, uh, and that nobody's gonna get hurt or, or you know, anything like that. So, so we have to be selective in that process because we have our existing population to take care of. And the state really would like uh, you know, agencies like the Guild to serve the population that they've targeted that needs the services. So it's kind of like a little bit of a tug of war that goes on um, with getting a bed filled now in a residence. As far as the day program, it's the same thing. You know, it, it costs the state money. The state finances the services that we provide mostly. Some of it is financed through private donations, but the state funds our services, and you know they they want to be very selective about who gets day services. So uh, it used to be everybody who applied would would get five days a week of day services. Now they kind of say, well, do you really need five? Maybe you only need three. Maybe you only need two. You know, so they put a few obstacles in the way, and I understand they're they're watching costs. So we have to do our best to navigate within those boundaries that they've set. All right. If if you have a parent that's interested in taking care of their child through your program, wh who would they contact? How would they find out more? And, and who would they contact within your organization? Okay, so they would contact our intake person is Barbara Torres, hmm. and our number is seven one eight eight three three 
888-666-6633. And they would ask for Barbara. Probably they would have to leave a message and then Barbara would call them back. But we're very interested in meeting with people who would like uh, to explore either day services or residential services for their adult uh, with de developmental disabilities. And our school, um, that's a different story. That's Jolene is the principal of the school and they serve children three to five years old, as I mentioned. Um, and I'm trying to remember that number, but if you call the prime number, 718-833-6633, again, they'll get you in touch with Jolene. She's the principal of the school. Now, I know from before we went on the air, you're looking for help right now, correct? Yes. Um, Post-pandemic, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we're in a bind, as I think many businesses are, uh, to be honest. It seems to be all over. But, um, you know, we, we employ... I think we're one of the largest employers in Bay Ridge. We, 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 before the pandemic, we employed 530 people. We're down about 100 from that number. So, so we're about 20% down from the workforce that we would like to be at. But in particular, we need teachers for our school. Um, we need drivers and we need direct support professionals. That's the people who directly care for. Uh, the people with disabilities. I started my career at the Guild as a direct support professional 36 years ago. And it, it is a very noble job and, and um, right away you understand and appreciate the impact you're having. You're having. Yeah. Now I know obviously everything today there's a lot of government money involved but how do you try to make up the difference because the government doesn't pay for everything? No, you're right. The government doesn't pay for everything so we try through fundraisers. We had our autumn uh, fundraising celebration uh, two weeks ago. Uh, we ha we always have some sort of active campaign going on. On our website, there are ways to donate. There's like a, a way people can text uh, a number to donate or uh, scan a QR code. Um, there are um, many ways. People can, you know, one of the big things where we're pushing these days is that, you know, sometimes people who are preparing uh, their estate and they want to leave a portion of the estate to some worthy charity. Uh, I can tell you, um, and it's not just because I'm the CEO, I really, do, I really do buy this message that this is a worthy charity. And if people are looking for some place to, to donate a portion of, of their estate, um, you know, small, you know, portion or whatever, the Guild for Exceptional Children, there's a way to do that on the website as well. Yeah. So. So those and, are some ways people can And this, us. I think this is an important point because there are a lot of people who are charitable-minded, but they're living on a fixed income. And, of course, today with inflation and everything, is not easy to make ends meet. But in many cases, they have a million-dollar house, a two-million-dollar house, and they can leave a portion, whatever it is, to a charitable beneficiary. And in a lot of cases, there, there are a lot of people in Brooklyn who don't have children. And even those people who do have children, you can leave a small portion to to charity and of course it, it is a tax deduction whether you need it for state purposes or not but it still is a tax deduction right right and we're you know this is kind of a relatively untapped area for the guilt for exceptional children so it's something where we're hoping to make better you know better publicized going forward you know and of course we do have a, a lot of very generous people in brooklyn and outside of brooklyn who will write us a check from time to time or make a donation, you know. But it, it's nice to have multiple ways for people to to contribute, you know. Even also another thing is local businesses. Um, we're always looking for sites where our 
participants, the people we serve, can volunteer and you know do something like uh, bussing tables or you know sweeping out in front of the store, or, you know washing the windows or anything like that. They get they get a lot of satisfaction out of it, and mm-hmm. um, so you know we've we've had great partnerships with some of the local merchants, as I mentioned, and we're always looking for new partnerships to develop in that area. How does the workers' comp, the disability, that kind of stuff work when they use your people? Well, they're volunteers, so mm-hmm. uh, our people are all covered under, you know, we have we have an extensive workers' comp and disability policy, so our people are all, are all covered under that. I don't think that burden would fall on the, the, um, the businessman. Okay. So, again, if somebody wants to find out more information, whether it's to volunteer, whether it's to make a contribution, or even looking for a job, Give the contacts again, please. Yeah, sure. It's um, www.gecbklyn.org and uh, 718-833-6633. And if, you, you're, if you're going on the computer, just type in Gil for Exceptional Children and you'll get there. It'll come up, yeah. It'll you know, because that'll up. be the easiest way to remember things, I guess. Yes, yes. Gil for Exceptional Children. You know, lately we've been saying GEC a lot because, yeah. you know, uh, you know that I think the the tendency is to go towards these acronyms, you know, but the, the name of the organization is Guild for Exceptional Children. So if you type that in, you'll get, you'll I think find that's it. easy to remember. Yeah. The G's because <laughs> initials, you know, like, yeah, you kind of. Right. And that could lead you somewhere. There's maybe some other organization with GEC as its initials. Right, right. I didn't think of that one. All right. Yeah. Well, Joseph, thank you very much for coming to Mike, radio. thank you so much for having me. And um, mm-hmm. you, you're, you've been a great influence here in the Brooklyn community for many, many years. And um, certainly somebody that we look up to and that, mm-hmm. you know, we enjoy our relationship with you. And, yeah. and thank you for having me. Yeah, and, you know, bring back memories of Senator Conklin, you know, yeah. because, you know, he was a great man. And great man. you guys remember him, and I think more people should remember him. Yes, yes, he was a great man. And and one of our residences is named after him. Right, right. Yeah, so that's, Conklin you know, residence. God yeah, bless yeah. you for that, among other yeah, things. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much for stopping by. Thank you. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors & Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or Connors & Sullivan If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it harder to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress, a home equity conversion mortgage may be the answer for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. 
Give me a call so our team here at Contour Mortgage can show you how the loan program works and how much you and your family may qualify for. My job is to help you find the best solution for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this mortgage program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-954-7463. Once again, that's 888-954-7463, and you could be on your way to a better retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591, Contour Mortgage Corporation, NMLS number 34384, 990 Stewart Avenue, Suite 660, Garden City, New York, 11530, Licensed Mortgage Banker, New York State Department of Financial Services. The Guild for Exceptional Children, or GEC, has been providing excellent care to children and adults with developmental disabilities since 1958. It is our mission to help build better lives and brighter futures for the people in our care. We serve nearly 1,000 individuals each day and are proud that 90 cents of every dollar is used for actual services. Please visit www.gecbklyn.org or call 718-833-6633 to learn more. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. Do you know how many Christians live in the Middle East? Six million people. Do you know how many Christians need your help? Every single one. Do you know what we can do? With St. Francis in Beirut, we can give them hope. We can give them medicines. We can give them medical equipment. We can give them everything they're looking for because some others decided to remove Christianity from the Middle East. But if we will help them every single day, not just to feed them or clothing, it's all about giving them another day with the idea that they are recognized, that we love them, there are cousins, sisters, there are roots. So, St. Francis in Beirut, it's all about helping Christians. And you can be part of that help too. If you want to help Father Paul in his mission, send your donations to St. Francis in Beirut, 213 Stanton Street, New York, New York, 10002. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it harder to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress, a home equity conversion mortgage may be the answer for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. Give me a call so our team here at Contour Mortgage can show you how the loan program works and how much you and your family may qualify for. My job is to help you find the best solution for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this mortgage program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. 
call and speak with me. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-954-7463. Once again, that's 888-954-7463, and you could be on your way to a better retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591, Contour Mortgage Corporation, NMLS number 34384, 990 Stewart Avenue, Suite 660, Garden City, New York, 11530, Licensed Mortgage Banker, New York State Department of Financial Services. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors & Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. The Guild for Exceptional Children, or GEC, has been providing excellent care to children and adults with developmental disabilities since 1958. It is our mission to help build better lives and brighter futures for the people in our care. We serve nearly 1,000 individuals each day and are proud that 90 cents of every dollar is used for actual services. Please visit www.gecbklyn.org or call 718-833-6633 to learn more. Do you know how many Christians live in the Middle East? Six million people. Do you know how many Christians need your help? Every single one. Do you know what we can do? With St. Francis in Beirut, we can give them hope. We can give them medicines. We can give them medical equipment. We can give them everything they're looking for because some others decided to remove Christianity from the Middle East. But if we will help them every single day, not just to feed them or clothing, It's all about giving them another day with the idea that they are recognized, that we love them, there are cousins, sisters, there are roots. So, St. Francis in Beirut, it's all about helping Christians. And you can be part of that help too. If you want to help Father Paul in his mission, send your donations to St. Francis in Beirut, 213 Stanton Street, New York, New York, 10002. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? 
These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500 or connorsandsullivan.com. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.